Do you remember the first time when you were a kid when your parents didn't get you something that you really wanted or you were told no? Hmm. My parents wouldn't get me a Nintendo Entertainment System. You know Mario Brothers? Mm-hmm. That's a fun one. They uh they refused. They said it, it would, like, I don't know. I'd be addicted and didn't want to spend the money. It wasn't healthy. My dad took me to the library instead. Probably better for me, but I certainly was mad at the time. Yeah, denied? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Your parents ever not get you something that you wanted? Your parents got you everything you wanted all the time. No, just they weren't around a lot to even <laughs> ask too soon. <laughs> so why keep asking? Oh. That's, the, that's the real answer. Oh, David. Yeah. I didn't have anyone to ask these questions. So, so it wasn't uh. really denial of the thing. It was a denial of life. <laughs> uh. Oh, David. I'm sorry. I think, um, what about your kids? Have you ever told your kids... Zoe and Skylar no to something that they really wanted. Have they ever like asked you for the pony, the proverbial pony? Yeah. It's uh, Squishmallows these days. Oh yes, yeah, those are the new Beanie Babies. I, I, I helped you move, David. Yeah. I know how many Squishmallows yeah. those girls have. It's, it's probably yeah. fifty. Fifty, yeah. They have a lot of Squishmallows. Yeah. I'm not sure they need more Squishmallows. And she asked again uh, two days ago. And what'd she ask for? Another Squishmallow. Oh, do you and know what I kind? Said, no, and I said, Zoe, you have 50, and so no, and she started crying. She, she started, did. She's like, you don't love me, you don't care Oh, about no! Me. Yeah, you don't care about my, <laughs> my well-being. It's like, oh, man. Can yeah. she, is she smart enough yet to manipulate you using Christian language? <laughs> That'd be uh, great. See, here's the problem. You've got two daughters. I have found it is very difficult to say no to JL, but like very easy to say no to justice because yeah. he's like, I mean, he was little. He's like, dad, he comes to me. He's like, dad, please, please, please. Can I have a flamethrower? <laughs> I'm like, no, you're going to burn down the house. He's like, oh, why? And yeah. I'm like, you're going to destroy yourself and others. Um, so it's easy to say no to justice. But when JL asked me for something, it's, it's, I know. it's really rough. Sometimes it's like, like she asked me for tickets to Taylor Swift. And I was like, I can get you a ticket, but I certainly can't get you tickets, plural. And you will be at the very top of the stadium, and it will be your entire birthday present. And you will be getting nothing else. And including actually at a different stadium. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, will, I will. I will. Yeah, I will fly you to Nashville, where it's cheap. I'll fly you to, what's it, like yeah. Oklahoma. But yeah, the point is, we don't like being told no. And we don't like denying what we want, being denied what we want. And I think that's where we are in this week's passage. Jesus is inviting us to deny ourselves and be basically tell ourselves no and being told no by God uh, for something better, for a, uh, for a benefit. So we're going to delve here. I've got David Kim here in the studio, DK, an all-David podcast. And uh, let's just uh, dive right in. Welcome to the afterword. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's an all David podcast. David Kim, David Tish. I said that in alphabetical order or in order of height, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm, Love it. Uh, Reverse order of intelligence. Two of the best Davids on staff. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's not really a doubt with that. We're two of the top 10 easily. 
easily. Uh, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yep. Excited to talk about uh, dying to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> really fun topic. <laughs> Boy, yeah. you know, when, uh, when Jesus says this, this sentence in Matthew 16, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. That's like the least inviting. That's like the least Madison Avenue consumer product slogan in the history of mankind. Yeah, it's definitely not encouraging, comforting in any way. <laughs> um, but it's real. Or maybe. Or maybe. It's, it's yeah. real. Yeah. I mean, it's honest. Yep. So, um, yeah, there's a psychology. That would, uh, yeah, how do you want to get into this? Because it's, it's not that it's difficult to understand what Jesus is saying. Although maybe we should get to why he said it. Because it seems like he could have focused on, hey, listen, like, well, he does actually at the end because he says, whoever loses their life will gain it. Mm-hmm. So he does end with a little bit of a pull toward self, right? Like, this is better for you mm-hmm. because if you don't follow me, death will come, right? So it's there's a sense in which he is, he is appealing to self-interest and self-preservation, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, for folks who've been with us for a while, you would imagine Jesus to say something about love because at the end of discipleship, the goal of discipleship, goal of everything that we do is to become a person of love. And so I thought Jesus would start with something like, whoever wants to follow me, you got to be a person of love. But then he starts with self-denial. And more and more I thought about it, though, I think that's the right way to go, I mean, for Jesus, because... So you're ratifying what Jesus said. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure. I'm agreeing with what Jesus is doing here. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that you cannot become a person of love without self-denial. Uh, yeah. Because if love is the highest ethic, the only way to really get that way. Is through, because we're too selfish. We're too yeah. self-centered. And so you cannot love God. You cannot love others. You cannot see anything else if you are so self-focused. And to, so to start with self-denial, I know it sounds harsh, but it's actually an invitation to a life of love. Well, then, and then the next part is the cross, which Mm -hmm. is suffering because love is not a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's an act of the will to work for the good of another or others, which will cost you something, which is absolutely going to be suffering, right? It's going to cost your time, energy, whatever resources. And then he says, and follow me because, and I think that this is important. Jesus is, it, it kind of goes back to the garden for me, like the definer of what is love and what is good is me. So I define it, not you. Because hmm. you you and I both know people who are like, I love you. And then they'll like be super selfish. My definition hmm. of love is that you do everything for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's like you can redefine love in ways that are super convenient for you to get what you want. Hmm. So Jesus is saying, follow me. So you're saying actually the banner over this incredibly difficult saying is actually love. Yeah, it sounds weird. It sounds harsh. But it's an invitation to becoming a person of love, which is the goal of the whole scriptures and what Jesus came to do. Well, you and I both have kids. Like, this isn't this parenting? Isn't parenting a whole bunch of self-denial and sacrifice and um, suffering? And, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. And so I think this is going to be hard to, like live out because I think in our culture today, at least the culture that I breathe is that 
it's all about you, it's all about me, and that we are allergic to suffering in every way. Like, we want to avoid it at all costs. And so I do think in our own discipleship journey, this text is really, actually, really, really helpful for us to discuss in this season of our world and our journey <laughs> yeah. today. Yep. It, you're it's saying it's, it's super countercultural. Yeah. Um, okay, so what other aspects of this? Because we talked about... Um, Take up your cross, deny yourself. So let's talk about the first thing, which is deny mm, yourself. Yeah. Because um, that's a tough one. Um, it strikes me um, that in modern life, and I talk a, a little. I talked a little bit about this um, in my teaching. I I I don't know how much you hit on it, but the idea of denying yourself is kind of founded on this idea that we have. We often construct a self which takes first priority. We put ourselves first. Mm-hmm. It's a form of selfishness, right? And in the modern world, we're not just told to do this. We're instructed that this is the only meaningful way to live a meaningful life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think about the idea of even our ideas of freedom are about selfishness. Um, there's a quote by Sigmund Freud um, who really deeply influenced our modern individualism. He says, I want freedom, freedom to act as I am acting, to arrange my life as seems right to me and to me alone. So it's like this idea of self in the modern world is that I I have to construct an identity which I alone decide upon without input or interference from anyone or any institution or anything, which is then ratified and nay applauded by others because you can't have an identity unless it's seen by other people. Identities cannot exist in a vacuum. And then, ideally, I'll get fame, or it'll be approved by a larger society, and then I'll be okay. And so that's the definition of what it means to be a person or to have an identity. And that means, basically, that my primary allegiance is to myself. So yeah, <laughs> that's really hard to square with what Jesus is asking of you and I in this moment, that our self-identity is to be laid down and that actually we're going to lose um, the word for life that Jesus uses is the word psyche, which is where we get the word psychology. So it's your sense of self, your personhood. So you're, you're going to lose your personhood, but Jesus is somehow going to redefine it for you. And you're supposed to deny yourself. That doesn't seem to square with every single thing that's going on in kind of our modern co- concept of what it means to be a person. Yeah. So I, when I think about this, as you build whatever the construct you have in mind of your image of yourself, I think the invitation of the self-denial is that we take off our false self, the image that we build for ourselves. I think... If you misunderstand what Jesus is saying, uh, I think originally I interpret that as just self-rejection and self-hatred. Like, hey, everything in you just deny and reject. The call upon your life, the gifts that God has given you, uh, the, the 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 your marriage, your family. I mean, like, it's not saying like just deny and reject everything, all the good in your life. What Jesus is inviting us to consider is there is an image or a construct of an identity that you build for yourself. And that's the very thing that Jesus is asking you to reject pretty much the false self. And as you do, then you are able to gain with greater clarity, your true self, who you are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So um, that's interesting because you said, 
you're saying that there's two ways to look at this. One way is like um, you follow yourself too much. And then the other way is you like hate yourself. So self-hatred, is that yeah. kind of the idea? Yeah. And both are inward focused, but one is, yeah, like you. Oh, you're saying they're both preoccupations with yourself. Yeah. And self-denial is at very least, um, I had a definition here the, uh, th- that I found. I didn't, I don't think I shared this. The intentional disowning of the self or stepping away from my relationship with myself as the primary thing. And instead, stepping toward Jesus as being primary and the primary relationship in my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so it doesn't mean that I don't exist or that I... Because <laughs> what you're talking about is like kind of common in some churches, which is the kind of beat you up, worm theology. You suck. Yeah. You'll always suck. And Jesus yeah. kind of holds his nose as he rescues you. So try not to mess up too much before you can get to heaven and he can really complete... I grew up in that kind of uh, theology where instead of my narrative or my gospel starting in Genesis 1, it started in Genesis 3. <laughs> sin. Right? Like, I'm all sin. and right. But no, it started with in the beginning, God created and it was beautiful, good. And, and then we get into all sorts of chaos, right? Yeah. But, um, so well, what I, did that do? What did, is there a like, lot of self, a lot of insecurity, a lot of self-hatred, self-rejection. And so um, I would now equate self-denial as that, but that's not the invitation of Jesus at all, right? And so I love this uh, quote from Keller. He says, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's not the two extreme forms of that's that. That's really it's, good. Because what's interesting is if I have a buddy whose wife, when she walks into a party, like is deeply insecure about what people are going to think. And Mm -hmm. she's constantly rehearsing. What are people going to think? What are they going to say? What, you know, that kind of thing. And she's deeply insecure. And when, when he walks into a party, he's like, I'm the man. I can't wait. I cannot wait for people to meet me. I cannot wait to see what I say because I'm, I'm going to astonish even myself without dazzling (laughs) this conversation's about to be. So he's a little too self-focused on himself, but in the same way, his wife is self-focused. They're both self-focused one on what people are going to think and the other, how can I impress people? Mm -hmm. And so they both have to deal with similar deaths, right? Self-denial. Yeah. Because they're both trying to put themselves in second place, Jesus in first, and then consider others. Yeah. At least as as much as you consider yourself. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's the deny part. Mm -hmm. Um, Deny yourself. Um, Somebody said, I I had a definition from a Bible scholar. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, It was a translation note that I thought was interesting. The Greek verb translated here as to deny is aparionai. I'm probably saying, I know I'm saying that wrong. I'm not a Greek scholar. Although this word can simply mean to deny the truth of a statement, like I deny that that's true, it almost always has overtones of association or a connection to a person. Denial in the New Testament is the intentional disassociation from relationship with a particular person. And I looked it up, and you know where it's most famously said is later on in Matthew 26 at the Last Supper when Jesus says, even if everyone falls away on account of you, Uh, I never will. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I tell you, this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny or disown you. And all the other disciples said the same way. It's the, that's this word. Mm. 
that's what's going on. And we're doing that with ourself. We're trying to put ourselves second. Anyway, okay. That's good. That's good. Okay, next word I wanted to concentrate on was cross. Take up your cross. Because that's a tough one. This is an invitation. Like when you think about the cross, first of all, this is before Jesus dies on the cross. So it doesn't have, we read that meaning into it. Jesus is not saying you have to save the world because you're the Messiah. That's only he can do that. So that's not what this is. So when you think about what it means to share in Jesus's cross, what, what do you think of? And by the way, that's a, that's not a very romantic or fun image. Right. Jesus is not saying you get to go to great America with me, you know, that this is, this is death, right? So, yeah, I was listening to uh, John Mark Homer talk about this, our friend, and he said this, he said, it's not a fashion statement. It's not like take up a cross meeting, wear some jewelry. And I mean, this is, he meant literally like take up, the cross and in the original audience as they were thinking about it 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 meant what that meant which is to take up this wooden cross and to die a death and i think that's really hard for us to process because we live in a consumeristic culture and so it's all about what can God do for me? What can the church do for me? What can others do for me? And so to really take up this journey of pain, suffering, and death, um, I think it's really hard for us to really process in our discipleship to Jesus. But that is the discipleship that Jesus is inviting us to consider. Well, yeah, if you think, I love the way you framed it. If this is about love, then love is going to cause suffering. You cannot love and not suffer. Mm. It just, there's no way around that Yeah, because you're going to start identifying with the hurts of the other person. Mm -hmm. The other person could hurt you. The other person could abandon you or really betray you or it, which is often the case, their hurts become your hurts. And every time you hurt, every time they hurt, you begin to hurt, you know? Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Um, even though I'm the guest here, <laughs> uh, I, you my are, my how the turntables. <laughs> I, I know uh, that's something. Uh, as your friend, I'm watching you process that with justice. So um, you, I, you, you love your son dearly, and I know this is a sensitive spot. And but um, yeah, the way I'm watching you process this, like it, you're, yeah. Can you share with us a little bit because? I think it's actually deeply connected to all of your pain and suffering that you're processing in this exciting moment. It's all connected because of love. And so I, I want to, yeah. yeah, I uh, think that, you know, when you get to a certain age with your kids and I, I, and what do I know, but here's what I'm experiencing. I'm just gonna, it's, this has been a really, really hard season yeah. because one of my favorite people in the whole world mm. who I love more than almost any other human on this planet who I enjoy more, than almost any other human on this planet who I've poured into almost any other human on this planet is no longer going to be in my house. I'm not going to see him every day. And that is, that's a grief, but it's also a self-definition. Like my role is changing so dramatically in his life. Like the other day he was out with his friends and I was like, Hey, I'm going to bed. And I realized most of the time I wait up for him, you know, hmm. and he's like, all right, well, I may or may not come home. You know, I might stay here, you know, my friend's house or I don't know. We're still out. And I'm like, uh, 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 okay. <laughs> it's just weird. Right. Yeah. He's an, he's a, he's a full adult, 
but it's so my role is changing. I'm no longer, I'm like a, a consultant now. Hmm. I'm not, a, you know, I'm still, I guess in some ways I'm always going to be a parent, but not, not, not in the way I was when he was 14, 15, 16, or even 17. You know, it's, he's got lots of, it's like, a, it's like he's on the court and I'm a coach. I'm not, it's not air traffic control. I used to control like every meal he had, where he went, who his friends were. Mm-hmm. I was air traffic control. I controlled every influence that went in. And now it's like, I'm a coach. So I've done my job. I think we've prepped. I think I've told him the game plan. I'm all, I'll do, but unless like, I, I'm not on the court anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a self-definitional change. And that, that is hard. It's also a lot of grief. Um, not for him. He's super excited about, yeah. you know, he's, he's over the moon and I am too for him, but it's, um, it really is hard. It's so there's a sense of, I mean, it's just what love is. It's what parenting is. Parenting is your heart leaving your body and then walking around. And then you have less control and less control and less control. And this is what it's supposed to be. Hmm. But man, that separation is, that's really hard. You know, that's, it's a new, it's a new, uh, a new phase in, in parenting, a new phase in my personhood. And there's a, there's definitely a death, you know, and it's, it's necessary. It's good, but man, that's hard. And that's just the way it is. And every parent that's gone before says the same thing. Oh no. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll encourage me by saying that what's, what's happening next is actually a really cool season. He's a full fledged adult. You know, you get to interact with him as a a full, full human Hmm. and not, you know, you're, so it's, it just changes, you know, Hmm. but it's a, it's, that's really hard. That's a, that's a hard thing. And not that everyone wants to hear like my psycho, this is not, you know, Hey, Dave's on the couch, but it really is. That's what, that's what parenting. And that's what love is. It's, it's, um, cause if I, it's not about me, you know? Yeah. And I, I could hold on to him and, but if I, I'd, I'd be preventing him from growing and maturing. Yeah. And that's really, it's really challenging. Cause I miss the little five-year-old boy that I, put to bed every night and would tell star Wars stories. And hmm. like that, that little boy is still in my head, you know? Hmm. So it's a, uh, that's, 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 that's what it means. I think um, to, that's what it means to love, you know, it, there's always going to be some sort of pain associated with that. It seems. So it's a little bit of denial, but also just the, I'm, and parenting is pain. I mean, it's humiliation and pain. That's what parenting is. Cause it's, love it's love enacted it's self-denial i mean how many times you how many times have you gotten up in the middle of the night because somebody's throwing up like nobody voluntarily chooses that i mean that's just a that's a nightmare yeah so just is what it is i guess thanks for sharing I, yeah i i resonate on a different level i mean this very week i shared with you like even in our marriage and so um yeah isn't the whole goal of marriage love and serving one another, but somehow in the, in the process of marriage, I got selfish. And, and um, instead of doing more for one another, I started to just tell my wife all the amazing things that I'm doing in this relationship. <laughs> and by the way, that's a great marital advice, right? That goes very well. And all the sacrifice. Just remind them how lucky they are to be married to yeah. you. All yeah, and sacrifice. I'm sure Nina Nina was just floored. She's like, oh, my Prince Charming, yes. I know, uh, yeah, it's Monday night. It's like just, hey, Nina, do you, wanna, do you wanna hear about all the sacrifices I made for this family and marriage? And so, and I don't know why I was doing that, but I realized in that very moment, man, like instead of taking the cross, instead of saying, wait, it's, it's not about me, it's about Nina, it's about the kids. 
uh, somehow I want others to know how amazing I am. Somehow I want other folks to know that I'm doing all these great things for them. And so um, there's an invitation, uh, whether in your parenting, in your marriage, in your friends, uh, co-workers, church. Man, there's an invitation to take up the cross. It also strikes me that this is, and this is hard, like you said, and it's not kind of optional. That's that's the hard part about this. Like what you just said, and I, I, we're, we're doing a marriage lab here at South Hills, and we just finished up our marriage lab. And what's really fascinating is as I'm sitting next to my wife going through this content, they have like brief, you know, spe- uh, people who talk and they present ideas and then you talk about them with your spouse. And I just realized how selfish and inward and lazy I can turn mm-hmm. and how much I can take my spouse for granted and like what what marriage is supposed to be, how inward I get. It, it, it's like every, it's like I probably need to do a marriage course every year just because right. it's just, it's always, I, I like my default setting is back to myself. I think that's part of what it means to deny yourself. But also the, the cross part is the serving part. And it's not really optional. In the ancient world, when you rebelled against Rome, um, they were going to make sure that you knew that you had done something wrong and that the proper authority had come. So they would make you literally carry the cross beam of the cross to your place of execution where everyone would know, hey, listen, this instrument of your own death, which you are carrying, is a mark of your utter humiliation and your proper submission. That's the context that Jesus says. That's the, And then whose cross, or, I mean, we're going to be carrying God's cross. Like, we're under God's authority. So this is an extreme picture of extreme submission to God and his kingdom. Hmm. So it's like, it's pretty, this is a pretty intense very provocative image right. that Jesus is putting forth. And it, it, it reminds me, it's not so much about, hey, you know, there's that moment where Jesus says, count the cost. I think it's more than that. It's not just count the cost. It's no matter what the cost is, and it's probably going to be pretty extreme, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow regardless, no matter how costly it is. Yeah, it's not optional, but it is certainly still your choice to take the cross every day. So in all spheres of life, it, it's still there for you to not take up the cross. I mean, I can, I can tell you how many times throughout my day where I will choose comfort and convenience over cross-bearing. And it's so easy to not take up my cross. And so we have to do some serious self-examination to see where are places where I repeatedly just choose not to take the cross, where Jesus is inviting us to do. And in that place, there's going to be something beautiful that comes out of that. It's interesting that you say that because in Luke, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record almost identical mm-hmm. moments where Jesus says this. This is very foundational. In Luke, it's interesting. Luke adds a word in his telling. He says, in Luke 9, it says, Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, daily yeah. and follow me. He adds the word daily. So it's not a one-time thing, right? This is a perpetual thing to your point. Um, of self-examination and um, the discipline of, of doing that. Yeah, and so the question is, like, where's a place in your life you're not willing to do the hard work? With God, of course. It's all by God's grace. And right. I get that. And so where's a place you're, you're resisting the invitation to take up the cross? And that's where we got to pause. And it could be a place where your bad habits and addictions, where you're saying, hey, like, I don't want to do the hard work. Or it's in your marriage. I, I don't want to do the hard work. And so, man, this there's an invitation here. Yeah, we ended, both of you and I ended at a hint towards something that's coming up mm. in the church calendar, which is 
um, in August, we're going to spend basically the whole month inviting people to take the, we, actually, we even call it next step, whatever the next step might be. Um, now, a cynic, somebody who's cynical, because you help put this on, your team is in, your formation team is actually largely in, in, in charge of making sure that these, these, these steps, these pathways, these options run smoothly, that people understand what they are, that they're, they're, they operate. Um, but a cynic might say, oh, you're just trying to build a big church. You know, you're just trying to build an organization filled with busyness. So like, but that's not the heart behind this thing. The heart is the formation. It's discipleship to Jesus, right? It's right. this Matthew 16 passage. And so, yeah. And, and what we're also saying is, is that when you are invited to these things, we're not saying it's going to be easy. So we're saying that this is going to be a cross for you and it's going to cost either your time, your energy, your resources. And these are things that we guard with all our lives. I mean, I am, I hate being inconvenienced. Like I, I protect time with everything I've got and I hate surprises. And so I don't like any interruptions in my life. And so what, what, and so these invitations that we're going to ask you for next steps, yes, there will be some cost to your, again, energy, time, resources, but it's not just so that West King can build something huge or whatever that even means. It's actually your formational journey into Christ-likeness that we care about, and that's the heartbeat of why we're inviting you to. So some of the things that we are going to be inviting you to consider for next steps might be serving, right? Might be giving, might be joining a community. And So I know, let's just pause right yeah, there. Yeah. Like, like, even if you think about serving, Ooh, what yeah. does serving do and how does serving in or outside the, the life of the church? There's lots of places to serve inside the church or outside. Yeah. But as you serve, what are you showing? What are you practicing? You're practicing self-denial. Right. You're putting others ahead of yourself. You're sacrificing your time. This is a Jesus way to live, right? Right. I, instead of serving and caring and sharing the gospel with the kids in the second service, I can go home and rest. Right. Watch TV. Watch TV. The Niners are on. <laughs> um, and eat another snack. Sure. And and that seems That's more way better. That's way better. Oh, so giving, obviously giving is, you're literally losing money. <laughs> you're giving up your money. And you're saying, this is not just mine. I love how you said that. You're losing you're, money. You're, you're giving just up, say what it is. You're yeah, giving up money. Yeah. You're giving up money. Yeah. You know, you, you're putting aside a portion of what you have and saying, this isn't mine. I want to invest this in the kingdom. I want to share this. You're sharing. Mm -hmm. And like, as we learn in kindergarten, sharing is caring, you know? Um, yeah. But there's another one, the big one. And sometimes it's like, hey, you're, you're, maybe you're sitting in the back row of the church and you're just kind of observing. And that could be fine for, for a season, but we're always going to invite you to learn more about the church or learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. So, And that's going to take some bravery and some courage to step out. But also life groups. Life groups are a, a way. That's that's a cost. That's a vulnerability. Right. Think about folks that you'll have to engage with. I mean, people are both great and horrifying <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I mean, there's a cost. As it's you hard. Yeah, yeah, as you engage in relationships, there'll be things that said. And, and you're working through all those things. But through that process, God wants to form something in you. And so, yeah, life groups, I think there's an invitation to that. I also think about like care groups and support groups. Sure. If there's a place where sure. there's a deep pain in your life for you to say, Or you're hey, stuck yeah, with yeah, something, yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And these are all ways to like... Um, I think that even in life groups, it requires vulnerability, but like what you get out of it is you're being formed as a person who 
cares for other people, but also you're getting close enough to other people to share how you're being malformed by the very messages of society, which say, put yourself first. Hmm. You know, you are only what you produce. You're only your success. And it's, it's rewriting that, that disgusting narrative with the biblical truth that God loves us, that we're, we're, we're his, that um, he loves us, that uh, we can be free from all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's important as well, you know? Yeah. That's good. I put it like this. Uh, we, we, we're trying to forge communities of grace grounded in Scripture, centered on the way of Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, where we can forge close enough relationships and bonds to remind each other of our primary identity, that we belong to God, that sacrifice is the way of Christ, that suffering's to be expected, and that Jesus is life, and that Jesus is life. And I, I just think that that's, that's part of what building a community is. And the only way to do that is to... to people to build it. <laughs> it, it. It takes time. You got to give it, you know, you got to sacrifice time, but it's not really a sacrifice in the end because hmm. what you get is Jesus in the way of him and you get more life because hmm. he says, what's the promise, right? Hmm. If we give up this way of doing things that we actually find life and life to the full. Yeah. That's good. So that's, that's important. So like when I think about, man, food, Netflix, YouTube, pornography, I mean, you name it, whatever those things may be, those are all there as an invitation to numb out suffering and pain in your life. And so, um, and we are tempted to one or all of those things every single moment of our lives. And so the invitation is that if that's something that you are overindulging, there might be a place where you're denying the cross. There's a place where, where you're saying no to pain and suffering, and you rather just distract yourself and numb out so that you don't have to face it. But the invitation from Jesus is as you do face it and as you deny yourself and take up that cross in that very place that you're numbing out, I believe that God has something for you. Really incredible. His it's love, better. his joy, peace, yeah, life, and life to the fullest, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's the invitation for all of us. Yeah, so in the end, self-denial... And the cross actually leads to life, which is what Jesus will show us later in the story, that his going to the cross. In fact, if you remember, right, we didn't really get to talk about this, but Jesus says, I got, I have to do this. I must, I must, I must. He used the word must, and the word must is doing a lot of work in this story. And what does Peter say? No, never. And then Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. Hmm. Which means that somehow this way of Jesus suffering, this way that Jesus going to the cross is so important and so central to Jesus's mission and who he is and what he's about, that the only one who whispers, don't do it, don't do it, is his primary enemy, you know? And this is the temptation in the desert, yeah. um, that there's another way other than through the path of suffering, which is the root of love, because if you love, you're going to suffer, and dying on a cross to save the world. And there is no other way. There's no other way that Jesus is going to save the world other than by doing this. Mm. So I love that. And, and a note on suffering, you can, I mean, everyone is suffering uh, in some way or form. So you can still, and this is important for us to consider. You can still suffer and not take up the cross, right? So you can suffer and say, Oh, that's the cross. You can actually still go through suffering and not face it, actually. Hmm. And, and so, 
for folks who are dealing with suffering, you're like, no, I'm, I have 15 crosses I'm carrying right now. <laughs> and, and, and I'm in so much pain. And so this is not uh, uh, the message for me or podcast for me and, and what have you. And we get that pain, suffering and pain. It's, it's, it's hard to work through, but you can actually go through pain and suffering and not still take up the cross. You can still ignore and numb your way through it. Man. Yeah. And so what would it look like to still be honest? And consider what is God's trying to say in these very moments is worth noting. Man. And I'm saying that because I've done that many times. I yeah. mean, I think about when I came to America and I was like, I can't handle any of this stress from learning the new language, culture. And so I played so much video games, so much online poker, and I'm in suffering every single day. And I thought I was somehow still going to church and doing all these Christian things and following and taking up the cross, but I was numbing my way in my pain. Yeah. You're not like involving God in this, uh, in this way. Well, this is one of the most difficult passages. I'm trying to think if, if we had a list of the 25 most important Bible verses, is this has, would this make the list? Seems like it would. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, this is Jesus' definition of discipleship. Like, this is up there, right? Mm-hmm. This is, like, really important stuff. So, yeah, it's worth considering. So, in your private time, in your journals, in your conversation with your spouse or your friends or your roommates, just talk about what it means to deny yourself. What it, what is what what is taking up your cross even look like? And then ask Jesus, you know, what, what does it look like to really follow you as I do those two things? Tough. And this is, I love it. I love how Luke says daily. So do it today. And then I guess. Wake up again tomorrow. Tomorrow and we do the same thing, right? It's just different. Every day's a a little different. Uh, But the same thing's required of us. Oh. So, but it's worth it. We get life. We get Jesus. So it's, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for being with us, David. I appreciate it. (laughs) Anything to say? Thanks for having me. It was great being here. I'm glad you could benefit from my incredible, like Nina, I'm glad you could benefit from my incredible wisdom and my presence in your life. No, I was just pausing to consider what, what is a cross I'm avoiding today uh, as you were kind of making that final statement. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's uh, tough. All right. All right, man. Thank well, thanks. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon and we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Well, just want to say thanks to David Kim for stopping by. Join me next week where we pause Matthew and we get into our fall vision series where we encourage everyone to take whatever next step they might need to take. And we're going to be focusing on the three loves. Love God, love your neighbor, and love one another. And uh, Steve Clifford and Jay Kim are going to be here. They're kicking us off in our vision series. And so we will see you next week. It's going to be vision filled with vision. Just vision, vision, vision. It's just going to be drip, dripping with vision. It's going to be amazing. So we'll see you next week.